Hey, before we get started, just a little message about what we have coming up across the Irishman Abroad Podcast Network. Over on Irishman in America this week, you can get maybe the most enjoyable chat we've ever had. As the house of cards that Trump built comes tumbling down for Republicans, there's an awful lot to get through. We're talking all about the midterms and the results from Dr. Oz to Herschel Walker and Carrie Lake. Who will run in 2024? Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Ron DeSantis. Nobody's really locked in just yet. But then in our parenting podcast, Honey, You're Ruining Our Kid, we have a brand new episode up there every single Monday on its own feed, just like this podcast. It's not a finger-waggy parenting podcast, just to be clear. It's a lot of fun, a lot of crack, and the response it has gotten has been crazy. Please check it out. Honey, you're ruining our kid. It's riding high in the charts right now, as is the pod that you're listening to, has to be said. Thank you for rating, commenting, and subscribing. Finally, you can come and see me live in January. On January 6th in Liberty Hall in Dublin, I will record or film whatever you're having yourself, my stand-up special, the new one. One big night, Liberty Hall, January 6th. Tickets are almost gone, but that is going to be a huge one and not a bad Christmas present, if I do say so myself. It's not all jokes about running, but there will be quite a few. And you can see a little sample of the show over on my TikTok account. Now, yes, I am on TikTok. It took me a long time, but I am finally there and loving it, and you will too. But now, it's time for Sonia. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonia O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. You're very welcome to another episode of An Irishman Running Abroad with me, Jarlath Regan, over here and Sonia O'Sullivan over there. How are you, Sonia? I'm good. I'm back in Portland. I've had um, a few days away in Washington. We went up to... It's amazing. Washington is where I'm staying at the moment. It's just like literally across the border. We are not very far at all. You cross over a bridge. Hmm. Um, I don't even know the name of the bridge because there's so many bridges here in Portland. But this one, you're crossover and halfway across, it says, welcome to Washington. Sophie was running with her university in a place called Tacoma. It was near Tacoma. It was University Place and Chambers Bay Golf Course. They had a cross-country course. Um, so it wasn't quite in Seattle where the University of Washington is. It was only just over two hours from Portland. And it's very cold here at the moment. <laughs> so um, Well, first of all, how did she do? <laughs> So we did great. Yeah, she did really, really good. So we went up Thursday night and got to check in and say hello to her um, Thursday evening before they had an early start on Friday morning. Race was at 10 o'clock, but, you know, to get a whole team organized and down there, I think they left a hotel at about 7.30 in the morning, I think they left. They went pretty early, I know that, because they were still, even though they stayed overnight, um close to the course they were still a good 20 minutes away and um so Sophie was yeah she was very relaxed and excited about the race uh it was a regional championships the west regional so um it qualifies you for the NCA championships which is on um this coming weekend in Stillwater Oklahoma they knew if they finished in the top five that they would get in I think they were ranked fourth in their region 
So they did really well. They finished third. Sophie was ninth place. She was the first scorer for her team. Fantastic. Um, over six kilometer racing. That's the first time ever she's been the first scorer on her cross country team. Um, she's been progressing nicely all season, being second, I think, most races. So yeah, she had a good race and now they're all excited. They're going to the NCAA championships, which is, you know, it's a huge, big deal. Now it seems it's even a bigger deal than, like I ran in the NCAAs in the early 90s and late 80s. And I you know, I suppose being at Villanova and at the time Villanova was so good at cross country, we just took it for granted that we were going to the NCAAs and... Yeah. You know, it wasn't a big deal we, because we were going to win it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, that's kind of our topic for today is is youth and the loss of it. Is that, that's such a young person's thing to do is take for granted everything and assume that it's all going to work out. Uh, the loss yeah, of and it, that it. And that it's never going to run out. <laughs> it's never going to run out. But here we are. Father time is undefeated. At some point, you're going to have to deal with the fact that your running is going to change. And today on Irishman Running Abroad, that's what we're going to focus on and try and talk about the topics that you want talked about. We have a selection of messages in from our listeners around this topic. And of course, Sonia's going to lend a helping hand and talk to us a little bit more about acceptance, denial, capacity, load, intensity, and what strength exercises you should really be doing as you prepare for this next stage of your running life or get ahead of it before it gets here. So really, Sonia, in some, so many ways, it doesn't matter what age you are listening to this, you've got to understand that it's you are getting older. So all of the advice you're about to give applies to everyone, really, doesn't it? It does apply to everybody, but then at the same time, it's also different for everybody because some people will have more miles on the clock than others. Mm. And so, you know, that will definitely affect how you feel when you run as you get older and some people take up running later in life and if they haven't been very active in other sports then they won't have a whole lot of wear and tear on their body which you know particularly if you've been running from a young age and you've done lots of miles down through the years if you're anyway kind of a bigger runner and you know I wouldn't even include myself in that category you're anyway tall and you're you know you're not close to the ground you do tend to take a lot more pounding on wear and tear. Mm, yeah, tell kind tell of, me about it. You know, neat little marathon runners who scoot along, you know, they don't tend to land so hard. They land lightly and they can get away with it for a lot longer. Yeah, well, um, we do need to talk about that later on. Vinnie Mulvey will join us again uh, to take me out for my first 10-minute run for the first time in four weeks. Vinnie got me out there on Sunday morning to see if my injury woes were at an end or whether we were turning a corner. People were asking last week, when is part two of the Vinnie Mulvey episode coming? Well, the reason why I label it part one and part two is that our patrons know that they get the full, both parts of each episode each week. And we put up part one of these episodes up for free on all the other platforms. You can hear the full Vinnie Mulvey episode from last week, as well as an exclusive interview with the man himself by signing up to Irishman Running Abroad on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. But uh, as I say, Vinnie chats to me later on directly after that run. And we also get Sonia's reaction to the Vinnie Mulvey story uh, from last week that our patrons will know all about, but those that are tuning in for free won't. So we might play that in later on. 
Well, one thing I do want to ask you about before we get down to the nitty gritty, Sonia, is did you see this story of the anti-corruption Garda who used the Lewis to finish the Dublin Marathon? Carl Lewis is what they're referring to him as. Cheating in marathons, of course, isn't that rare, is it? There's there's a whole gang of marathon cheat hunters out there in the world today. What stories of marathon cheats do you know of, Sonia? Well, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that marathon organizers are, I suppose they have someone who's watching this stuff all the time. And, and in recent times, with a lot of the chip technology, they have maths along the route and there will be lots of different calculations so they can tell if somebody's finishing time doesn't look quite right. And so there's obviously a red flag comes up somewhere. Mm. And once they see that, then they will, they have their little guys who are underground, you know, <laughs> going yeah. through all the bits and pieces and working it out and they can, you know, very easily determine if somebody has taken a shortcut, taken a tram, taken a bike. Um, there was one case actually in, I think it was the Comrades Marathon and um, there was twins in it. No. And, and so one, they switched over it halfway. Oh so one ran the first half and the other ran the second half. The old but Sweet half- Valley High move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how they caught them was the watch that they were wearing, I think one of them was either wearing a different color watch or or he was wearing the watch on the other hand or something. But it was something very small like that. They would have got away with it if it wasn't for those pesky watches. That's unbelievable. It's the the fine details, you know, that people do check out Mm. and and see what's going on. But, yeah, no, interesting. The recent one with the Dublin Marathon, I mean, not, not all these cases are made public, but when there's a bit of a story, Mm. if it's... I mean, unfortunately, if it's someone who's, you know, of some kind of standing in the community, like a, um, what was he in charge of the corruption unit, one of the corruption yeah, units, you know, you're kind of like in charge of sheets nearly. <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. It does stand out and then people are kind of question, you know, I suppose your credibility in, in your own life in relation to the job that you're doing. So, um, so for anybody who missed the story, basically, this guy was taking part in the race and he used the Lewis red line for a portion of the race, which it has to be said, he completed the race in the top 6% of the registered entrance. And it was only following the race that, again, like Sonia said, they examined the times and it didn't make sense. He's, as I said, he's not the first person to do this. Jason Scotland Williams made the headlines when he ran the second part of the London Marathon three minutes faster than Mo Farah. You see, this is the thing. I've often said this to my son, that con artists' big blind spot is that they think everybody else is stupid. And that's what catches them in the end. Well, I I think they don't understand as well how easily something obvious, like a time, Mm. will stand out to somebody who actually understands the time. Like, it's kind of like a price of something. If something is like way too cheap, I mean, it stands out to the people who know how much things actually cost. Mm. So... I think you, if you understand the value of time and distance, then you you don't even have to do a calculation and you can see that it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And so you'd be in there straight away saying, no, there's something missing here. Occasionally, you know, somebody's chip may fail. And sometimes you see that too. Somebody may run a race and they won't register in the results because their chip just doesn't work. And then... That's another thing that has to be calculated to get you back into the result because the race is cheating you. Oh my God, imagine how gutting that would be. You you actually do it and then that record doesn't show. 
but what's amazing when something like this happens and a story like this, you know, from a marathon event, it kind of interests the people who have nothing to do with running more than mm. the people who are involved in running. The people who are involved in running are kind of sad about it. They think, oh, this is just not right. Yeah. If you're sorry for the person, you know, they made a mistake. It could be, sometimes it could be an innocent mistake. You know, they may be kind of just got tired and said, oh, I'll take the Lewis. And then they end up crossing the finish line. And maybe they don't really mean to cross the finish line, but you just kind of, there's no exit from the course. Mm. And then you just go through with the whole thing. And then, so you didn't really mean to cheat, but <laughs> you're not taking a prize or anything. So it doesn't really matter, yeah. but you're now putting yourself in a situation. And I'm sure but, and, th th this guy had those <laughs> thoughts, right? There's some weird way of rationalizing it. Well, if you're Rosanna Davidson was the most famous uh, accusation of cheating back in 2012. She was on Joe Duffy after she was accused of cheating in the women's mini marathon. Uh, but my concern was that this guy wasn't actually a Garda and that they had confused the Irishman running abroad logo with the Garda logo. And I thought it was one of our <laughs> guys. <laughs> it was Michael Kinnahan that brought that to my attention in the group. <laughs> and there was that moment. But hey, let's get down to it, Sonia. Let's talk about running better despite getting older. Everybody is enthusiastic when they start running. And, you know, if you haven't been running much and then you start running regularly and then you start running with a group and you start doing sessions, all of a sudden you do improve. And and you've noticed this more than anybody. Mm. You know, the improvements can be astronomical. I mean, I think, what was your Strava improvement? There was like 300% at one point. Yeah, you're right. It can be insane. So then, then it becomes addictive. And, you know, running is one of these addictive activities. And, and a lot of people who turn to running have come from another addictive activity. And sometimes it can be a negative activity, negative addictive activity. So running becomes this positive addictive activity. You get the motivation, the energy, you get a boost whenever you run a PB, when you have a good run and you think it's never going to end. Mm -hmm. But then eventually, you know, you get to nearly a saturation point. And this can be in the amount of training you're doing, or it can be like, but you get the saturation point where you don't improve much. And then you get this kind of disimprovement as you, as you age and it just gets harder and you don't recover as much from the training. Yeah. So then I think that's the, the main thing. And it's, it's something that I definitely didn't understand when I was kind of, I suppose, getting older, even in my thirties, you know, I, I didn't respect that I had done so much training before that. I had to change or rebalance the training that I was doing. And I only knew one way to train. And that was, you know, to run a lot, to run fast and to do that over and over again. And without making a few tweaks along the way, then you get injured and then you don't run as well. And, and then all of a sudden everything becomes hard. Mm -hmm. And was and, it, was it an all of a sudden thing there for you? Because certainly that's the messages that we're getting. Laura Hobbins got in touch to say, I'm in the 40 plus gang and I feel like my body has been falling apart this year. So I guess she's just turned 40 and I seem to fix one injury and then get another one somewhere else. It's beyond frustrating. I can't imagine how tough that is to feel like you're just getting over one and another appears. She says, I spent most of my 30s in a stop-start mode on the running front because of pregnancies and post-baby recovery. 
And now I just want to be out there and at it, but I'm getting stumped by my injuries and it just sucks. I've spent a fortune this year on getting treatment for various different things from various different people. Try running, they said. It's cheap, they said. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's my happy place, though. An escape from the humdrum daily life. Uh, so I'm hoping my current ailment will fix itself soon and I'll be back out there pounding the streets. I mean, that's Laura points out something that, you know, a lot of people over this age are experiencing is the, as you say, one injury to the next. What can we attribute that to, Sonia, in your opinion? Um, well, I suppose there could be many different reasons. I mean, everybody, a series of injuries would be different. But what amazes me sometimes is that you can have these injuries and they feel like they're, you know, they're forever. You're never going to get rid of them. And then another one comes along and then the old one kind of disappears. It's kind of a, you know, you hop from one injury to another. And I think it's just the frustration of having to always deal with something. Like you can't just, a bit like Vinny was saying, have we talked about Vinny? Yeah, well, he does. You've listened to this later on. We're going to hear from Vinny when he starts talking yeah. about you know, the know. psychological side of injury. But when I know when Vinny was talking to you and he said, you know, we all expect to go out and and feel perfect every time. And, and I would be very much like that. You know, I would kind of think, I just don't like running if I don't feel good. And I've had to adjust to that as well. Mm. And it's amazing. Sometimes when you have one thing hurting you and then if something else hurts, then you actually forget about the other one. And then you have to weigh up, but which one is, which one would I rather deal with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So far easier to deal with and manage. What, and I think Vinny mentioned this as well, either this week or last week, about the acceptance of what you've got when you walk out the door mm. and you deal with what you have and how you're going to manage that. And, you know, and, and that comes down to being, you know, the amount that you're going to do, the speed that you're going to do and the course that you're going to take. And, you know, for me at the moment, what I've found, and it's taken me a long time to be able to accept stuff like this is to go out for a run and not be too worried about the pace or the distance. And, you know, we're all addicted to our watch in one way or another, but not to be so tied to it where you're actually on the run. I mean, it's grand, I think, to, to know that you've been out there for X amount of time and you've done X amount of kilometers or miles. And, and you, you just, I think the main thing is to feel good about being out there for an amount of time mm -hmm. and doing stuff. And for me, the latest revelation is trail running and I think when you run in the trails, and I've always done this throughout my life, like always run on soft surfaces, but now you know, it's got a name now called trail running. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, but trail running is really when it's a bit tougher, I think, and it's harder and it's a bit more twisty. It's a bit more lumpy. Um, it's a bit more up and down and the surface is a bit rough. But I think when you go on a trail run, there's less parameters that are putting pressure on you so you take away those parameters and all of a sudden there's less pressure meaning the parameter and of of pace really of pace, pace yeah pace and even distance you know i mean i i went out this morning into forest park and it was freezing cold like it was zero degrees here and it's so hard to gauge what clothes to wear once you get yourself outside and you're just kind of I'm going for a run. And I think for me at the moment, going for a trail run, it takes so much pressure off the expectation of time that you're not really, I should, I mean, you still, it was still hard work. And, you know, if you're running up hills and you're doing all these twists, it actually gets quite tiring. 
um, but in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. yeah. And it, like it took me a long time before I looked at my watch. I mean, I think the first time I looked at my watch was something was 36 minutes. And so that's a fair way into your run. Mm. And, um, so then I knew that, you know, this time it's going by really quickly here. And I had, I was trying to work out a little loop as I was in there. And there was one, there was one point I was running along and I thought, oh, I got this now. This is lovely. And I don't know what happened, but like there was a few other trail runners in there. So I looked up anyway. And next thing I knew, I was like flat on the ground. No. <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah, there was no warning whatsoever. But I think I was distracted by a person coming towards me. And then there was a little roosh or something. Oh, and I face planted or, or, or totally, feet to- in the air? Totally. No, totally face planted down. And um, oh yeah, I, I did. I, I, la- I landed on my knees. So when I got up for I was like, and it, it's just, the sh- I think the shock of it more than anything else yeah. was what got me. And I was like, for a few minutes, I was like, you know, he, this man was very nice. He stopped and he asked me if I was okay and everything. And, you know, you just jump up quickly and the adrenaline, you're like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay to stand up. But now how am I going to keep running? <laughs> well, you raise a really okay. interesting point there, Sonia, because, you know, when I did the research preparing for today's episode, I had the fear of what happened to you is one of the things that turns people off trail running and running in general over the age of 40. The fear of injury is holding an awful lot of people back uh, when it comes to trying this or doing more of it. And sometimes the acceptance is nearly an acceptance of this is now off limits to an extent or certainly going fast is off limits. Uh, what do you say to people who are starting to feel that fear? Because you can kind of feel that in Laura Hobbins's message that uh, am I just going to have to scale this back completely? Or is it just that you're now at a point in your life where you have to accept that you can no longer just run? There needs to be some other strength and conditioning or cross training to support that endeavor. Yeah, definitely. Strength and conditioning is key. Um, I think when you're talking about running on the trails and falling, I think, you know, for me, I was just distracted and I wasn't concentrating for like a second and I missed something. And I think that's the big thing with tri- running in trails, running in forests, is that you, you kind of always have to be looking where you're going and concentrating. And, and so that, I think, is an energy in itself that makes this productive to be in, you know, you're running slow, but I think you're still burning the same energy. You're still working hard mentally and physically because you have to look where you're going and always be aware of, especially on these single track trails. But I think for that and for regular running, definitely the core stability, a lot of single leg work. And, and in order to do that, sometimes you have to be able to find your weaknesses. And then in order to do that, then you probably have to be assessed by somebody and get someone to show you, you know, where you are weak. What, mm. what's well, and also, yeah, look, we've probably all been told already by this point where you are weak. I know exactly the exercises that Trevor Cummins has given me for my uh, glutes and uh, hamstrings and Achilles. Uh, so you probably do have them somewhere in an email from a physio. But an assessment is a brilliant idea. Michael Walsh got in touch to say, I'm in the 50 plus gang heading towards 55, he says. I've always done a bit of strength training, foam rolling, stretching, don't have much weight on me, etc. 
but have had knee problems for years and that cartilage is never growing back. But think, you've got to roll with the punches. That's the key to running at a later age. Things are going to help limit injuries, but no magic bullet. As Sonia is always suggesting, I run on the trails if possible, and I also do a fair bit of treadmill. That's interesting. We haven't discussed that. Treadmill, as both seem a bit easier on the body. He says injuries are going to come and injuries are going to go. And if you can just accept that, it makes it easier. The other thing is avoid doing 16 by 400 meter reps flat out. That is a nice little dig, Michael, at me or how I managed to get injured uh, not too long ago. Uh, He raised some good points there, Sonia, but it's just looking after or just kind of accepting. There's a certain amount of acceptance in terms of capacity, intensity and load. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to manage things and to know when I can't run today, I've got to do something different. Yeah. And then to be accepting of that and knowing of that, you know, that knowing that there's something else you can do. And that might be, you know, going for a walk. It might be going for a bike ride. It might be going to your local gym and you can do a combination of aerobics up in there to warm and, and you kind of tell yourself you're doing it to warm up. So then it takes the pressure off. I'm not doing this to work out. I'm just doing this to get my heart going to warm up. Things like the cross trainer, which is hard work, the bike and the rowing machine. And then maybe even the treadmill, if you can, maybe you might want to say, hey, no, just go on 10 minutes on the treadmill and see what this feels like. And it may be a revelation to some people to try the treadmill. Now, for me, the treadmill is very difficult. I just, I can't get my head around it. I, I, I did it once in this Orange Theory class recently and I thought, well, maybe I actually didn't mind this. But I was in the gym last week and I was got a bit tight for time and I was supposed to go on the cross grader um, with Donovan Brazier and then he had to actually go and do something so he wasn't doing it. Right. And he said, well, I'm not doing the cross trainer by myself because it's just kind of a funny movement. It's not quite like the elliptical. The elliptical bike outdoors, I love that. That was great in Australia. Um, so I thought, right, I'll go on the treadmill for 20 minutes. And I started up and I started running and I seriously, I didn't last two minutes. I was like, no. <laughs> not I don't for like me. Well, that, look, no. That's cool too, though, isn't it? Yeah, Identifying I, what's I, for I, you I, and what's not. And so I think that's important for people out there to know that, you know, you don't have to force yourself to do things, mm. you know, if you don't really like it. But you have to find you have to find something that you like that's an alternative to only running. Yeah. And, and that could be, you know, doing a little bit of a warm up in the gym of one of these, you know, many machines they have in there and then getting yourself into a some kind of a gym strengthening conditioning program. This can be body work, you know, where you're doing all body weight stuff, where you're doing a whole bunch of core exercises, which can be a variation of the old traditional sit-ups and planks. And, you know, there's so many different variations of this out there. Now that people are trying to create these, you know, very difficult movements. But a lot of the time you have to do this stuff, you have to be told how to do it properly. Yeah. But I think if you can go to the basics, if you can do them properly, and and include that in your week, then you definitely feel the benefit from it. You do feel you do feel like you sit up straighter, you feel better when you walk, but you have to put in a good few weeks of it. And yeah, you have to yeah. you know, at least twice a week you have to 
into the strength and conditioning, speak to somebody at your local club, at your local gym. There's got to be somebody in there who can give you a few exercises and say, listen, do this for four weeks and then we'll have a review and we'll see how you're getting on. And then we maybe need to make it a little bit harder for you or change it up a little bit because if you keep doing the same things over and over again, then they get way too easy. And like that, that's also the big thing with running, you know, in trails and parks is that it changed like running if you run on the road all the time or the track your foot is always landing in the exact same position all the time whereas if you're in single track trails there's a lot of adaptation and you have to pick around a little bit and be able to move and hop around and jump over rocks and stones and avoid the roots um so there's a bit more going on when you're running in uneven surfaces than when you're running on you know a pure smooth road that can it can be beneficial for some people some people just don't like that um but i think it does it does help to strengthen the the muscles in your in your lower legs around your ankles um possibly around your knees and your hips and your glutes as well just to build up that little bit of extra strength well i've never gotten more messages than in the last three weeks from uh, the great listeners and supporters of this show uh, recommending things that could help me back from injury, uh, wishing me luck uh, and empathizing. But I've never received more messages recommending Pilates <laughs> in all my life. Yeah. Uh, and I've obviously had Pilates recommended a bunch of times, but apparently, Sonia, it's the go-to uh, cross-training exercise that hits all the nails on the head, the things that you're describing here. Uh, it's nicely varied depending on the class that you go to. So that's what I'm trying to hunt out in the next while. And if you have a preferred place to go uh, in the me, the area, let me know. Or if, if you think it's utter nonsense and that I should avoid that at all costs, I want to give a shout out to Connor Mooney in Paris. <laughs> he says, in my case, I feel it would be remiss not to give a huge shout out to the preventative and curative and restorative effects of a good daily lathering of a hearty combination of Valterol gel and Tiger Balm red to these 45 year old knees something to be said for it sonia isn't there just applying a little something to get you heated up it's not a bad idea well, absolutely there's always these little magic potions you know that people work out and create for themselves and yeah no tiger bam is always good and of course the volunteer yeah i mean i think things like that if you believe they work then they're more likely to be effective mm. um and then you you know you just kind of work these things out for yourself cool. Then if somebody's going to try it, then they have to believe that it's also going to help them out and it's going to be good for them. <laughs> it's the perfect segue, Sonia, to our discussion about the return of the jar. I am coming back from injury. I'm on the way back. I am. I believe it's going to happen, Sonia. And after the break, we'll get Vinnie Mulvey on for that live chat, as I said, where Vinnie talks to me after my first 3K run in over four weeks Come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Sign up for premium Irishmanabroad. Get access to all our episodes, including a back catalogue of Irishmanabroad, the big interview shows, all for the price of a pint each month over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Irishman Running Abroad is an Irishman Abroad podcast. Research, sound mixing, and editing is by Jarlath Regan. To contact Jar and Sonia, simply email irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>